Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Sal Sports and Stuff. This is episode number 13, and episode number 12 was pretty heavy, and I just did it about a week ago, a little bit more than that maybe. Uh, it had to do with death and grieving, Kobe Bryant on the heels of you know what happened to my colleague Jeremy White's uh, mother uh, passing away very unexpectedly. Um, also some other deaths surrounding my own family with my aunt and I, and I got into all that stuff and, and I just want to say thank you so much, first of all, for the tremendous response about that particular podcast. It was only 20 minutes long. If you haven't had a chance to listen, I'd like you to do that. Uh, you can download, subscribe. I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast, by the way, uh, go to iTunes and do that. You can do it right from the WGR 550 South sports and stuff page. Give me a nice review. If you can, that'd be great as well. Um, but Either way, you know, listening to all of that, and I know a lot of you reaching out to me were impacted by the words that I said, and that means a lot to me. I heard from a lot of people, a lot of people that I haven't heard from in a while, people I've never heard from, and I really appreciate that. And there were some people who didn't receive it very well, and I was accused of being self-serving by one of my uh, followers who didn't even listen to the podcast, and I guess there's you can't please everybody, uh, but this is what I do. I talk. If you want to call me giving my opinion on things self-serving, then I guess so be it. But that's what I do. I give my opinion. But I think that that was a, a good therapy session kind of for a lot of people to, to go to and to hear and express your own feelings through someone who maybe, you know, maybe you're not good at that. You don't feel comfortable in that. But, you know, you felt that I was able to do that in a manner for you because that's what some of you said. So enough about that. I want to thank you for that. Thank you very much again. Episode number 12. This is episode number 13. Let's try to make it a lucky one, not an unlucky one. Let's start off with something fun on that note, which is who's the best Bills and Sabres player ever to wear jersey number 13? Let's start with the Bills. Uh, Pro Football Reference tells me seven different players have worn jersey number 13, and I think it's easy on who the best ever was, and that is Stevie Johnson. Uh, nobody ever wore 13 for the Bills until 1984 when Chuck Nelson wore it, and then after that, Brian McClure during the strike season of 1987, who was a quarterback. But over the last, uh, what, I mean, since Stevie even, which uh, he last wore it in 2013, over the last five years, several different players wore it, including Kelvin Benjamin, Victor Bolden, Keelan Clay, and Des Lewis. But I think Stevie Johnson is easily the best player to ever wear number 13 for the Buffalo Bills. Believe it or not, only six players have ever worn it for the Sabres, and somebody's currently wearing it, and that is Jimmy Vesey. But since before Jimmy Vesey, it had been 10 years since anybody wore it. That was Tim Kennedy back in 2010. Yuri Novotny was before that. Then you have Vyacheslav Kozlov, remember him, 2002. Yuri Himalev wore it from 93 to 96. And then I think the greatest number 13 in Sabres history has to be Jim Schoenfeld, right? Who is who only wore it, by the way, in 1985. Let's remember, Jim Schoenfeld actually wore number six, jersey number six, from 73 to 82. He came back to the organization and wore it in 85. So if we take away Schoenfeld for that one year, who's the best? Hmm. Um, I mean, Kennedy had potential, but was it, I would say, Yuri Himalev. 
Uh, Olga, are you listening? Olga's a friend of mine. That's Yuri's daughter. Yuri wore it from 93 to 96. Kozlov, Novotny, Kennedy, Jimmy VC. Did Himalev wear another number besides 13? No, I guess not. I didn't realize he only played from uh, 1990, the 92-93 season through the 95-96 season with the Sabres. But here we go. So I'll, uh, I think I'll go with Yuri Himalev. Uh, for his career in Buffalo, what did he have? He had 64 goals in, no, that was not in Buffalo. In Buffalo, uh, in Buffalo, he had 63 goals. Uh, he had one with the Blues when he went on. That was in 254 games, 63 goals, 150 points in 254 games. I'll take Yuri Himalev. There you go. I think that's my guy for uh, best jersey number 13, wearer of the Buffalo Sabres. Now, if we went entire career, if we included everybody's career, whoever wore 13 for the Sabres, Vyacheslav Kozlov would be number one. But I'm just counting the years they actually had in a Sabres uniform. Kozlov scored 356 goals in his career, played 10 years in Detroit, went to Buffalo, uh, played one year. But that would be number one. But as far as just in a Sabres uniform, number 13, Yuri Himalev. All right, as I sit here and record this right now, it's Thursday, February 6th. It's NBA trade deadline day, and I love college basketball. I follow the NBA just from a more macro level. I like the Lakers, you know, I mean, I'll watch them a little bit and LeBron and all that, but I, I just kind of watch it from an outsider's perspective. I don't really get into it and dig deep into it, but I will tell you this. The NBA clearly has the patent on making trade deadline day exciting again. It is amazing what these guys are able to do. The GMs and the NBA I mean, the NHL, these guys sit around and twiddle their thumbs. Even on trade deadline day, you might get like one guy who we knew, like Kreider's going to get traded from the Rangers. They're going to get a first round pick. Ooh, big blockbuster NHL trade. No, no, no. The NBA, man, these guys are out of their minds, these NBA GMs. They literally turn their offices into Las Vegas with craps tables and roulette tables. And they're on the phones. They are calling. They are texting. It's incredible what gets done. The NBA trades that are happening today, reportedly happening, all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. I love it. I wish more leagues were like this. We even have more exciting times right now. It seems like in the NFL right around uh, league year starting with trades than we have in the NHL baseball. We just did have one. I'll get to that in a minute. But obviously the NBA and what they're doing, it's amazing. It's awesome. And I love it. And I wish that other leagues would be as exciting on trade deadline day as the NBA. We did have a big deal in baseball that went down, and that is uh, Mookie Betts going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. Now, obviously, as I sit here, there is a holdup on the trade because of the health of one of the prospects involved. But let's just talk about the trade itself. My God. I mean, 27 years old, an incredible player getting dealt from the Red Sox. You could understand and you could think about, you know, if it was a team like the Brewers, right, who are going to maybe have to trade them before they have to pay them. Uh, the Kansas City Royals who've done that for many years. You could get countless examples of teams. But this is the Boston freaking Red Sox who are trading Mookie Betts at the age of 27. It's unbelievable. As a Yankee fan, I'm not complaining. I remember just a few years ago going, are you kidding me? Mookie Betts, Bogarts, we're going to have to deal with these guys for how many years to come? And now, because the Red Sox have kind of had to reset some things over the last couple of years, they had the cheating scandal, they had Cora, all that stuff that happened, but it's basically financially is why. And the report is that, you know, Mookie just wasn't going to resign. It almost didn't matter what they offered him. He wanted to get to the free agent market at the end of the year and break the bank and allow other people who come after him to make even more money because 
He's being loyal to the PA, the Major League Baseball Players Association, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't know what's true, what's not. I just think it's shocking to me that an organization like the Red Sox, who basically can just print money, right? They're like the Yankees, are doing this. And this is a guy who finished second in the MVP race in 2016. He finished sixth in 2017. He won the MVP in 2018, finished eighth last year. And if it wasn't for Mike Trout and maybe another player here or there throughout those years, this guy might have had two or three MVPs by now. That's how good he is. I'm just blown away that the Red Sox of all teams made this deal. And like I said, not complaining. I'm a Yankee fan. And now it looks like Yankees and Dodgers. And oh, by the way, how freaking good are the Dodgers going to be? I mean, that lineup is going to be unbelievably stacked if this trade winds up going through. Because as I said, right now, it looks like there is a uh, holdup because of one of the players' health. And uh, we'll see where that goes. But the NBA, they had all these crazy deals. The uh, Major League Baseball, it took one. It just took one to basically have everybody talk about what's going on. So let's shift to football and talk about the Buffalo Bills. I have a series that I've been putting together. You can find it at WGR550.com called The State of the Bills. And it's basically going through each position, position by position. I started with quarterback and then go to running back to the offensive line receivers, tight ends. I've done the defense this week, defensive tackle, defensive end separately Did the linebackers did corners and haven't finished safeties yet. So hopefully by tonight, we'll see. I'm going to the Sabres game tonight. So I'm going to try and do that. We'll see where that goes. Safety shouldn't be too hard, but I invite you to go read all of that. It's caused some from interesting discussion, interesting debate. Every time I'm on with Howard and Jeremy in the morning or Chopin the Bulldog in the afternoon, we kind of walk through these articles a little bit, and it's a really good kind of launching point into the off season of what the bills have going on. Um, but as I, af- at, right after I did tight end, well, I did tight end last week and then Greg Olson became available. You know, the uh, Panthers cut Greg Olson and Immediately when he was out there, I figured, okay, the Bills might do this because they have McDermott, they have Bean, the Carolina connection. We know that he's the kind of player that they would want to bring in as far as his DNA, what he means, veteran leadership, all that kind of stuff. And sure enough, that's what's happening. In fact, Tom Palacero of NFL.com reported on Wednesday that Greg Olson arrived in Buffalo, his first of several visits. The Redskins are going to be a team, the Seahawks are going to be a team, and then there are other teams that have actually inquired about Greg Olson. And I wrote an article about it. I broke down the tight end position, how it works, you know, with Greg Olson coming in, if he were to sign what they could do. And I'm actually very, I'm a little bit confused on why there are so many Bills fans who seem to be quote unquote against the move. And I say quote unquote, because I know some of you aren't necessarily against it. You're just worried about the development of Dawson Knox. And if you bring in Uh, a guy that's older and you're going to rely on him more. What does that do to Dawson Knox? I say, don't worry about any of that stuff. You want as many good players as you can on your roster. And Greg Olson to me is still a good player. Is there an injury history recently? Yes. Is he older? Yes. I want you to remember a couple things though. Okay. First and foremost, this organization over the last few years, last two years, excuse me, especially this past year, but since 18 and 19, really, but especially this past year, they have done an amazing job of player health, keeping players healthy and available. Sure. Are there guys that get hurt? Yes. You can't do anything about that. Tyler Croft got hurt and then he got hurt again when he tried to come back. He still played 11 games after that, by the way, people forget Ty and was kind of in and out of the lineup, but they did a great job of load management with him. 
between the sports science department at One Bills Drive and the training staff and the medical staff and what Sean McDermott has implemented in the football staff and the football side of things, that department with all the other departments I just mentioned, they've done an amazing job of keeping players healthy. And obviously, the new training facility is a big, big part of this. They have every single new technology and type of information available to them as they go forward and use this. And it's only going to build on that. And players have talked about it. Yes, there's some luck involved with injuries. There's no doubt you can't prevent a guy getting rolled up on. And, you know, maybe it happens three or four times next year in the first few weeks and you start to lose guys. That could happen all the time. That doesn't mean a guys are injury prone. It doesn't mean that what I'm telling you is still not true. But what you can help to prevent is soft muscle, soft tissue injuries and the way that you collect and use the data and the scientific data to go forward in body maintenance and rehabilitation is how the Bills are doing it and keeping healthy. You can point to a few guys who got hurt here or there. That's fine. Every team has that. What about the 50 guys who didn't, basically? I mean, the Bills were pretty much the healthiest team in the league at the end of the year. They did not have any guys on their injury report a couple of different times late in the season. It was amazing. So when you talk about bringing in Greg Olson, it's the same situation last year in a different way with Kevin Johnson. Here's a guy, Kevin Johnson, who played four years in Houston, former first round pick. He's still young, much more than Greg Olson now, but they released him because he couldn't stay healthy. The Bills said, we got a plan for him. We're going to make sure that he comes into our facility, in our program. We're going to keep him healthy. And they're going to have a detail-oriented program for anybody they bring in, especially a 35-year-old veteran who is coming off recent uh, injuries. And look, there's no guarantees with anybody. But I would say that's number one to think about. They've done a great job with that. So that shouldn't scare you off as much as it might in other cases. And the other thing, if you're worried about Dawson Knox and development, I mean, Dawson Knox isn't going to play every snap anyway. I don't care who the other tight ends are, whether it's Greg Olson or Tyler Croft or Lee Smith or Tommy Sweeney. If he takes a step and he's active next year, Dawson Knox is going to get his reps. And if he's the best player to play out there, he's going to play. They can also play two tight ends. They can create matchups. Don't worry about any of that. And then the final thing I want everybody to remember as we go forward through this entire offseason is this. You bring 90 players to camp. Now, in the Bills case, it's 91 because Christian Wade, once again, is exempt due to the International Pathways program. It's a two-year program. But you bring 90 players to camp, and in the Bills case, 91. There's nothing wrong with bringing as many good players to camp as you can and then sorting it out. Let's remember, Dawson Knox got hurt last year in training camp. He missed time with a hamstring injury. And then, uh, on top of Tyler Croft being hurt, they were down to using Tommy Sweeney and Nate Becker at tight end. Imagine if you had Greg Olson there, if something were to happen to Dawson Knox and you said, oh, we got Greg Olson, he can play. You, it's it's always better to have better players and more players. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And if you sign him to a deal and you bring him to camp and he either gets hurt or he's not the type of player you thought he was because he's lost a step, you know, you, you structure your contract where hopefully you can get out of it. But even so, if you have to eat some money, the Bills are not in a position here where that should matter too much. They have $90 million or so in available salary cap space. And I'd be of the belief that if they did sign Dawson, not, I'm sorry, if they did sign Greg Olson, I think Tyler Croft could be the one that goes. It could be an easy money in, money out. Now, they could save, I think it's about $5 million or so. I don't have it right in front of me. 
if they were to release Tyler Croft. I'm not advocating just out and out releasing Tyler Croft, but if you signed Greg Olson to, let's say, a five or six million dollar deal, and then you did that with Tyler Croft, you might, at the end of the day, cost yourself really, when it's all said and done, maybe one to two million dollars somewhere in that neighborhood. And Look, I'm not creating these contracts. I don't know what he's going to get offered by other teams, but that would make sense if they did something like that. I would rather have Greg Olson than Tyler Croft. Tyler Croft needs to show me that he can stay healthy. Greg Olson has shown me that. Yes, he has had some injuries. He's also been super productive throughout most of his career, and those injuries have come on recently, and that's why you take a physical. That's why you have a medical staff. That's why you talk with other people around the league, and there isn't a relationship there between Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott with the Carolina people. I know there's different people there now, but they talk with people. They would know. So that's how you go down that road. And that's how you figure out if it's the right move for your team or not. I would advocate for the Bills doing this. I'd like to see that happen. I think that Dawson Knox could be better for having Tyler Croft around him and in the room. I think the Bills as a team would be better for having, um, I'm sorry, I, I did it again. He'd be better for having Greg Olson around and in the room. And I think the Bills as a team would be better for having Greg Olson around. The other position that I did that caused a little bit of um, you know back and forth on social media is cornerback. And that's because I, I teased it with the premise of they were so thin at cornerback last year that Isaiah McKenzie had to play in the regular season finale against the Jets. And he did. And that's true. And some people took exception to that, saying, wait a minute, that was because they were arresting Trey White and then Levi Wallace got hurt. Well, yeah, that's my point. Because they arrested Trey White and then Levi Wallace got hurt, they were so thin quote unquote, so thin, they did not want anyone else to get hurt because they had a playoff game coming up. So they started using somebody from another position who's never played it before in the NFL to just get through that game. So to me, that says that they're thin and they need a little bit more help because they were worried about their depth. And I think corner right now is a sneaky under the radar type of play for the Bills first round, maybe second day, uh, round two, round three. But let's see how that goes through free agency here. There's going to be some free agents out there. We'll see if they target somebody. I like Levi Wallace and the way he's developed as an undrafted free agent, but he started to get picked on last year. He started to get targeted when people went away from Trey White and he took a step back. Kevin Johnson, he was there to step in and help out and play half the snaps basically about halfway through the year when that started happening and they started rotating. I like him as well. I would like to see him back. He is an unrestricted free agent. Hopefully the Bills can make that happen. I don't think it should be too hard to do that. He shouldn't command a lot of money on the open market. Maybe another short-term deal because, you know, even though he stayed healthy last year, he didn't play a whole ton of snaps. Levi Wallace, they should be able to keep, even though he is an exclusive rights free agent. That just means offer him the minimum and he's yours to keep because uh, no other team can then uh, do that. It's just a qualifying offer they have to do to uh, keep Levi Wallace. But I think a, a more steady, consistent, reliable number two corner opposite Tredavious White would really help this team. All right, I'll get back into the NFL in a second. I want to shift gears for a second. Let's uh, talk about the most replied tweet, replied to tweet I've ever had. I think. I think it's the most replied to tweet I've ever had. Over 1,400 replies on this tweet last week. I had no idea this would happen. So... I can tell you the exact day I wrote the tweet because there's a reason I know the exact day. It was January 30th. And the reason I know is because the tweet had to do with somebody's birthday on January 30th. And that is Gene Hackman. So Gene Hackman on January 30th turned 90 years old. So I tweeted out, Gene Hackman is 90 years old today. What's the best hashtag Gene Hackman movie? And over 1,400 people replied to it. Actually, that's just the regular replies. There was even more in the quote tweets. I had blue check marks replying to me left and right. 
actors, entertainers, wrestlers. It was crazy. And I love it. I love the responses I got. First of all, I got to tell you, holy cow, Gene Hackman is 90 years old. I had no idea. I also didn't realize he actually retired from acting and his last movie was Welcome to Mooseport. That was in 2004, and he retired from acting. Now, he has lended his voice as a narrator to a couple of documentaries since then, but Runaway Jury in 03 and Welcome to Mooseport in 04 were his last two actual movies that he acted in and performed in. Welcome to Mooseport actually was nominated by many of you as his number one movie, like his best movie. And I get the way I worded it. I don't know. Best role, best movie. I'd just say like the best movie that he, you know, come on, the best movie that he had a main part. I guess that's, that's the thing. Not necessarily his best character, his best role. One thing that happened after reading some of your replies, I went and immediately went to a movie called The Conversation that I've never seen. And I started watching it. I haven't finished it yet. I'm in the very early stages, but in 1974, there was this movie called The Conversation. And a lot of you said, oh yeah, that was it. I've never seen it. So now I'm going to go watch it. And The French Connection in 1971, obviously the movie that later became the inspiration for the famous Buffalo Sabres line of Gilbert Perrault, Rene Robert, and Rick Martin, that was one of the ones that many of you nominated. Um, but I do have a sports-centric audience on Twitter, at Cell Sports, and many of you nominated sports movies, like Hoosiers, like The Replacements. So those were up there as well. I think Hoosiers is actually one of his better movies. I don't know if I'd say The Replacements. I just... I, I can't get into that as one. Of, come on. A, a great Gene Hackman movie doesn't do it for me. I could tell you a couple of movies that I really loved that did not get as much love as I wanted. One did start to get more of that. And that was Mississippi burning an amazing movie. If you've never seen that. And the other totally did not get enough love. And I love it is no way out. You ever seen no way out with Kevin Costner? Uh, he's a Russian spy, or I should say he's an alleged Russian spy, or he's trying to find a Russian spy. Go watch the movie. You'll know what I mean by all that. But it's a long time ago, so I guess I don't mind telling you right now. 1987, uh, and Gene Hackman played Defense Secretary David Bryce. But go watch that movie as well. No way out. There was a lot of really good movies that Gene Hackman was in, but that tweet became my most replied to tweet, I think, ever, with over 1,400 replies at least. And if you want to find that, you can go reply as well. Then I said, all right, how do I top that? So today, I tweeted something. Today, February 6th, I tweeted something that might become a very replied to tweet. And what I tweeted was, other than your own self-made mixtape, what cassette do you remember playing the most in your boombox or Walkman, etc.? Lots of great responses coming my way already. And I wanted to go through a few of these because, all right, where is my tweet here? I'm going to pull it up. How many do I have? All right, I've, I tweeted this an hour ago. I'm recording it now, this podcast. And in one hour, I've had 175 replies already. I don't know if I'll get to 1,400, but we're getting there. Uh, so here are some of the replies that came in. Uh, Bulldog, who I work with, Rolling Stones, get your yayas out. Um, Motley Crue, Shout of the Devil. Steve, I actually owned the LP of that. I owned it. Arlene says, The Spice Girls. And what is it called? Just Spice? Uh, Spice by Spice Girls. I don't even know if that's it. She actually sent a picture along. I love the ones that sent the pictures. There's lots of good pictures in here, too, of your old cassettes. ACDC, Back in Black, Van Halen. Is this... um? 5150, maybe? No, I don't know which, whichever one this is. Somebody uh, said, no, it's not 5150. Uh, 1984, that's what that is. And yep, 
I, that would be one of my most played. Fifty one fifty would be as well. Uh, came along a little bit later when I was in high school, but some of these are great. Def Leppard soundtrack soundtrack of Beach Street, Ten Thousand Maniacs, um, Guns and Roses, Brian Adams, Queen, Snoop Dogg, Offspring, Iron Maiden, love it. CNC Music Factory, uh, Beastie Boys. Snow Informer. What? All right. Michael Jackson. Yes. More Def Leppard here. Limp Biscuit. Oh, really? Limp Biscuit cassette? All right. I mean, Limp Biscuit was 90s, right? So that would have been CDs. Interesting. The first reply I had on this was Grateful Dead, Europe 72. I guess that must have been a live CD, uh, live cassette for that. Uh, what else we got here? Guns and Roses. I got a lot of good Guns and Roses on here for cassettes. I could tell a little bit about some of my. Uh, Listeners, I guess. You're a lot like me. I have a very eclectic music collection. I was actually trying to find some of my old cassettes. And if I took a picture, I had one of those boxes that you could put all the cassettes in. And if I took a picture of that, you'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe you had Iron Maiden and Air Supply. But I did. Yes. Peter Gabriel. So, remember that one? I do. Peter Gabriel, uh, in your eyes, was actually my high school's senior prom theme. In your eyes, Peter Gabriel. What was um, when I see you smile? By bad English was junior prom theme. Ooh, now I know. Now I have another idea for another tweet that could go viral. I'm gonna try and find these things because I like to talk about it here on the podcast, sell sports and stuff with you. Run DMC, Allison Chains, Dre, another Motley Crew. You guys are great. Green Day. All right, very cool. Rush exit stage, exit stage left. Go and um, reply to that if you can. Other than a self-made mixtape, what cassette do you remember playing the most in your boombox, Walkman, etc.? You can follow that and find that, I should say, over at Sal Sports. All right, let's wrap up with a little bit of NFL talk because we still have no idea what's going to happen with Tom Brady, and there's still a lot of rumors and speculation out there. We also don't know what's going to happen with this 17-game CBA proposal, which I'm trying to stay on top of as much as I can for all of you. And I don't know. The way it's trending, it seems like it's right there for the players if they want. If they want to accept a 17-game season, they're going to get a lot of really good things their way, including a really nice increase in revenue, 47% to 48.5%, no marijuana penalties, basically uh, less financial penalties for uh, discipline. There's all these really good things they're going to get, but they're so staunchly against 17 games, they might vote this down. They might not even take a vote. And the owners have basically said, if you don't accept it before the new league year starts— if we don't get a new deal in place before March 18th, we're going to table everything and we're going to go through the year. And I'm going to tell you right now, as I sit here, if that happens, we're going to have a work stoppage, folks. That's what's going to happen. So whether it's the players, I'm not here to tell you the players should or shouldn't accept 17 games. That's up to them. But if we can find common ground here by the PA and by the league before March 18th, we're going to have 10 years of labor peace. If not, we're probably looking at a a work stoppage next year. And that's going to suck. And the NFL hasn't had a work stoppage. Now they did technically in 2011. They haven't missed games since 1987. It's a long time considering the NBA has missed games. The NHL has missed games. Baseball's missed games. We've had a good situation here in football. I don't want to go back to that situation. They used scabs in 1987. You got a new football league starting up the XFL. I don't know much about it. I'm going to watch some of it. I'm not even saying that would replace anything, but the NFL should not 
be missing games because of a work stoppage. And they have an ability here to get things done before March 18th. But that's going to be very interesting to see where all this goes. I'm just telling you, when you read articles about it, when you hear people talk about it, if you hear that the players are so much against a 17-game schedule that they are still refusing and refusing and refusing because even though they're getting a lot of things on their end that would help, well, guess what that means? That we're headed towards a work stoppage, especially if we do not get a deal before March 18th. And my sense is the owners right now, I don't know this, haven't been told this. My sense is, though, the owners feel they've been giving a lot here and they're not they're not in the mood to give any more, right? They might just say, hmm, you don't like this? Well, guess what? We're not. We're going to start taking things off the table until you tell us you want to do this. They really, 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 really want a 17-game season. But there are lots of players who don't want it. Now, apparently some players, and there's some belief that the Players Union is trending a little bit more towards maybe thinking that it's okay because of all these other things and concessions they're going to get. Like, you know, practice schedules and times and hitting and how much that would be less on their bodies and that would help because it would offset the 17 games. And by the way, if you get 17 games, it would be a reduction in preseason games. We're also going to get uh, an extra playoff game, it seems like, in each conference, one extra playoff team. And if you're worried about the schedule, don't be. They'll figure that out. It'll either be a neutral site game for every team, or if you can't have a neutral site game, you'll play one extra home game one year, one extra away game the next year. All that stuff would sort itself out. The bigger picture is the 17 games. And there are indications some players are leaning a little bit more towards, okay, thinking about maybe this is okay, but several are still very much against it, including Richard Sherman, who's been very vocal about not wanting a 17-game season and outspoken. When has Richard Sherman not been outspoken about something? As far as Brady is concerned, I've maintained for a while, I don't think he's going back to the Patriots. I just think that they have the feeling of, it seems to me, that Bill Belichick would like to get younger and a little bit more mobile at the quarterback position. Um, but obviously Bob Kraft, he wants Brady back as far as his relationship with him. And I think that what it means to his organization, and if they really were going to make this work wouldn't they have done it by now, but I will say it seems like it's trending more and more towards him going back, but I still think there's a lot there. There's a lot there that could, you know, have him leave, go to LA, maybe build on the TB 12 brand, which he wants to really, you know, uh, launch even more so after his playing career is over, the Buccaneers now said to be in the mix. The Titans may be in the mix with his old coach, Mike Vrabel. Some people think the Dolphins. I don't really think that as much. And then, of course, the Raiders. There's been reports about that. But that is something definitely interesting to monitor. The over-under win totals from betonline.ag came out recently, and the Patriots have a 10.5 win total. And I think that will go down once, if anybody knows, if Brady's going to be you know, leaving. But that's these things fluctuate anyway in the offseason. Only four teams have more in the AFC than the Bills. The Bills have an eight and a half total over and under win right now, and this could change. Last year, it started at six and a half, went to seven. That's where it ended. Eight and a half. Actually, that's um, higher, I think, than a lot of people thought it would be. But the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers are the only AFC teams that have more of a high, of a higher, I should say, over under win total in the early bet online projections you can bet on. Okay, that's it for Sal Sports and Stuff, episode number 13. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to download, subscribe. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'd love to make it on the, uh, you know, most listened to iTunes thing. I keep checking that. I don't even know how you get there, but it'd be great to do that. <laughs> Leave a nice review if you can as well. And until the next time, uh, we'll talk a little bit about whatever comes to my mind, whatever's on your mind as well here on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. Go to Sal Sports on Twitter. And of course, listen at WGR 550 and go to WGR550.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.